On this week's Compete Everyday podcast, I sit down with mental performance coach Grant Parr to talk about his inspiring journey to being a mental performance coach, overcoming debilitating injuries, and flipping his mindset from victim to victor of his own story. Welcome back to the Compete Everyday podcast, competitors. Jake Thompson here, Chief Encouragement Officer of Compete Every Day and your host each and every week on this show. I'm excited today as we get to welcome Grant Parr to the episode, a mental performance coach. When Grant and I dive into his story, his mindset shift from victim to victor, and we're going to discuss a few key pieces to life, things about dealing with identity change, how do we connect to our craft, the importance of shifting our mindset to that victor mentality and how we can be more intentional with our actions and our thoughts every single day. Things that are so incredibly paramount in today's time as we talk about controlling your controllables on a daily basis. How do we maintain focus and control over where we choose to focus? What attitude we choose to have? What actions we take every day? And most importantly, what effort we show up with each and every opportunity? To get connected to the show, shoot me an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And if you're listening to this on the day of the release, August 5th or Thursday, August 6th, and you shoot me an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com with the subject line, why I compete, W-H-Y-I compete, I'll send you a 20% off code that you can use on our brand new release that's dropping at 7 p.m. Central on August 5th. So you can get a discount code to jump in the brand new release. We have a brand new design Gym flags, and oh yes, the manifesto is back in a brand new face mask for you this month. So get on the website, check it out. If you're listening to this after August 6th, you can still use the code PODCAST to get 15% off any order. Now, let's welcome Grant to the show. Let's talk about mental performance, shifting our mindset, and learning how to compete every single day with the thoughts we have in our head. Ladies and gentlemen, Grant Parr. Grant, welcome to the Compete Everyday Podcast. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Great. We just had a, a fun little conversation before because you've got a great podcast. You put out a ton of great content, uh, but your story is one that I'm fascinated by, uh, not only from the work you do, but just the physical and, and mental challenges that you've overcome to get to this position to help others. Uh, so I'm very excited about this conversation and know our listeners will be as well. Before we dive in, can you give everyone just a snapshot of what Game Face Performance is, what you do today? Uh, then, man, we're going to dive into your story. <laughs> Beautiful. So Game Face Performance, it's, it's a mental performance practice. Basically, what I do as a mental performance coach, I work with athletes, teams, and coaches, and also corporate athletes and organizations providing mental skills training and leadership training. So essentially, my whole goal is to, to get you to play present, play present within your athletics, play present within the workplace, play present in relationships and life. So, and I'm just, my goal is to give you a process in the moment that you can actually, you, you can tap into in the moment so you can have more control with your thoughts and emotions. I love that the reiteration of the phrase of being present. And I feel like as right now, we're recording this uh, here in late May. I know this is airing later in the summer. 
But I think a lot of people, it's been a challenge over the last two to three months to be present because we're so used to having deadlines and future schedules and we know what's going to happen two months from now, three months from now. And then all of a sudden COVID kind of hit. And for a lot of us, that shook up this idea of, oh my gosh, I don't know about tomorrow. I don't really know how to sit in the present today. So there's a lot of discomfort for a lot of people. Have you seen that a lot with some of your clients of, of kind of almost a rushed uh, focus now to learn to be present because they were so busy. Otherwise they might not have thought about it. Right. No, I've seen it a lot. I've, I've seen this, you know, the four little word fear just completely distract our, our world. Um, and, and I understand that. I understand that, you know, when you start thinking about the future and you, I mean, truly, if you want to be great in the moment, it doesn't exist in the future or in the past. It happens like right now. And so when we don't have that, when it doesn't seem like our feet are on the ground and we're scared, we don't know what tomorrow's going to be like. We don't know what our, if we're going to have our job. We don't know how long we're going to be in shelter in place. That, that creates a lot of fear. And I think for, for me and the, and the athletes and the, and the clients I've been working with, I'm having them to shift that this is, this is an opportunity. Like I understand there's some fear to it, but, but because we don't know, I'll tell you what we do know is now. This is what we know now. So why don't we just create our paradigm now and look at the opportunities and truly when you get out of that, that fear mindset, that future based mindset, and you really, really like look at what you can control, then you're like, Oh, that's where I can actually get some opportunity. Like I mean, as a, as a business owner, there's a part of my business that slowed down and there was a little bit of fear. I'm like, well, what if I have to start over? And I'm like, well, shit. I'll start over. I, how many times have I started over in my life? So I'm like, I'm, there's the opportunity. I get to create and redesign myself again, if that were to happen. I love that phrase that you kept using the word opportunity. And you and I very, very similarly, I believe, have that mindset. I laugh, you know, you played quarterback a little higher level than I did, but we, we have a love for the position. And a lot of guys would get up to that center look across the line of scrimmage and see an all-out blitz coming. And some may panic of, oh, my gosh, I can't get this off. And other guys are going to see, oh, this is an opportunity. I have man-on-man coverage outside. This is six. Like, yeah. do you see the opportunity or do you see the challenge? And similar to you, because we both speak, we both travel, that whole source of our revenue in life kind of got shut down for a while. But where were the opportunities? And they were there if you would look for them. And so I loved hearing that. I loved you hearing that reinforcement. And how have you challenged, I'm curious, your group and, and clients and community to look for that opportunities, to shift away from being fear-minded to say, now where can I find opportunity for growth or opportunity to do something? Is it a daily practice, a daily ritual? Where do we start to shift our perspectives from someone who's focused or distracted by the fear to look past it for that opportunity? I think truly, you know, it depends on kind of what you're, what you're in, like the context of your life as an athlete, as a, a corporate athlete is what I call, you know, a workplace professional, um, depending on where you're at and what you're wanting to do, there's a few things. I think right now is a great opportunity to stay creative. Now for me, I'm creative in a lot of ways outside of my, my mental performance, you know, practice. I'm an, I'm a musician and I'll tell you what, the more that I've been actually spending time creating with music, when it comes to my job, when it comes to conversations, when it comes to doing social media posts, I'm way more creative. And I've, and I've seen that because I've, I've allowed that creativity kind of bleed into my life and it's allowed me to be more open and allowed me to do things differently. 
Um, but I think right now is, is to truly look at what you can't control. Like if, if you want to stay ahead of the game, if you want to get back into when you, when it's time to go back to play, when it's time to go back into the office, let's stay, let's stay connected to our craft. And I, and I love this word connection because right now we're disconnected. It seems like, right. Yeah. So as an individual, the two things that I've been preaching is stay connected to your craft, whatever that craft is, right. Allow yourself to be creative and vulnerable, but stay connected to your community, to your, to your support system. Because if you're not connected to yourself, you're not connected to people around you. The thing that's between our head can really, we can be in the effect of it. So it's just staying in motion, staying, being creative, being creative and, um, and really working your routine. That's huge. You brought up routine, man. You, if you don't have a routine, let's get a routine in place. Well, and, and the connected piece, one thing that I know you talk about a ton in your work is intentionality being intentional with our actions, with our thoughts. And, and I, I believe I've heard you talk about the idea of, you know, talking back to some of those feelings, not allowing them to dictate it, but being intentional with our actions and our words coming out of this, we have an opportunity to be intentional with which connections we keep and which okay. ones we learn to let go. We don't have to automatically go back into what we did before the shutdown started. How important in, in your own personal life are kind of mentors, relationships, friends, coaches? How do you intentionally cultivate the people you work, live, and, and invest life with? To me, it all comes down to energy, man. I mean, everything comes down to energy. Then it comes breath. For me, it's energy and then breath and mindfulness. And so I think as I've gotten older and all the things that I've gone through um, in my life, my EQ, I feel like I have a little bit more EQ than IQ. And, and I, I just really, pretty, you know, people are very protective of their time. I get that. So am I. But I'm more, more protective of my energy. So I, I want to plug into the socket of people that want to play a bigger game. So when I can feel that and see that and taste that and hear that, I'm spending my time plugging into them. So, you know, I have identified my, my mentors. I've identified some really good peers and I've also identified a few people that are below me that want to do what I want to do. So I'm, I'm connecting in those three areas where I can actually take all that energy, take all that knowledge, and hopefully being in service, pushing that down to the people below me and making them better and the people around me better. I love that. And, and such a crucial point for our listeners of it's not about you just finding a mentor and learning. It's about how can I help those near me in my same path, in my same life? And how can I help those below me? How can I stick that hand out? Because as we've talked about over and over again on the show, leadership, it's not about the followers you have, but the people that following you that you empower. And so that uh, sums it up perfectly. What can I learn? What can I share? What can I grow on, uh, uh, pay forward? Grant, your sports career, your mental performance career didn't start in your 20s. It didn't start early on. And you have a fascinating backstory. And so I kind of want to flash back to when sports ended for you, because I know that was a very tumultuous period in your life. Uh, both physically and mentally. And if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about sports ending to ultimately you kind of years later finding this opportunity to pursue a path in mental performance. Yeah. You know, I, um, it's, it's really interesting because it, it really ties into my book, The Next One Up Mindset. But, you know, throughout my young life, uh, you know, I had opportunity to play tons of sports. I, even though I was a quarterback and I played football for about 13 years, I had the opportunity to play baseball and basketball and soccer and track. So being an athlete, 
was the fabric of who I was competing and being a champion. Like it was just being a warrior. And then when I got to the point where in junior college, I, I did get hurt in my left hip. I had a compressed fracture that I played through and I kept on playing until I was done with my junior year at Sonoma state university. That's when like my body, after all those years of playing, was just breaking down and only when my hip was hurting, I had to redo my right shoulder, my throwing arm. So I, I didn't feel like at that moment, I didn't have a choice. Like I wasn't choosing to leave the game that I love. My body was. So I was pissed off and I was frustrated. And so when I got to that point, then I started, I, I really hated the game. I didn't even want to be Grant Parr, the quarterback. I didn't want to be anything that, that resembled that life because I, because I was damaged goods. Since the left leg is bad, everything else was bad. And I lived in that paradigm for shoot, two decades. And because of that, I started getting away from, from being that athlete, being that warrior. And so I started to get away from actually taking care of my body. So it was, de it was degrading every year. It was getting worse and worse and worse. I had a, a massive limp. And it got to a point where after 15 years of, of going through all that pain, I, I lost my identity. Um, anybody that wanted to talk football, talk about the touchdowns I threw, the records we broke, all that, I was like, I don't want, that's not me, man. Like I'm done with that. And which sucked, but I'm glad I went through it. But uh, at the age of 36, got my first uh, hip replacement. And I thought life was going to be back. And it actually got even worse. Actually, um, the, my body reacted to the surgery negatively. It was, it was, they did, the surgery was fine. But um, I had a bone, my, my scar tissue turned into a massive bone within 30 days of the surgery. It started growing. So over four years, the, uh, the bone grew six inches long, four inches wide, right at my hip flexor, and it grew into my, in my buttocks. And so my, I couldn't walk, barely could walk, I was handicapped. My, my wife had to tie my shoes, clip my toenails. Uh, my spine was you know, turned in three spots. My hands were going numb when I was sleeping. And so as you can imagine, I had lost my identity while well, I was, I was losing all sorts of stuff. At that point, those four years, I was going into my forties going, I didn't sign up for this, man. Like I, I just want to, as much as I don't want to be that quarterback anymore, I got, I was in this parad paradigm of like, but I just want to be like the old grad. Why can't I just be the man again? Cause I wasn't the man for a long time. I was playing a very uh, safe and narrow game in my life. And so interestingly enough, um, giving you like the cliff notes on this, but my doctor, after four years, he found a doctor that had a solution. It was pretty aggressive with radiation and all that stuff. So uh, what was so beautiful about the story is that the, my doctor said, I know you want to do this now, but I want to give you six to nine months to get prepared for it mentally, emotionally, spiritually, because no pun intended. I want you to come out of this, this surgery running, like running into your life. And I was like, well, holy shit. All right. And so what happened was I like, I had no clue about meditation. I had no clue about um, affirmations, intentional breath work, none of that stuff. And man, I adopted all that goodness, lost about 25 pounds. I'll tell you what, Jake, the moment I got out of that second surgery, the first words that came out of my mouth was I'm back because the whole room was vibrant and soft and the voices when they even said, Hey, Mr. Parr, it just sounded like, like angels. Like this is like, I'm like, I knew I'm back. And from that moment on, man, I, I just was like, you know what? I'm going to take a little bit of the old grant, 
but I'm going to redesign this grant. I'm going to really get empowered and get this warrior mindset, this competitor back. And that's when I just started to, to change my life and look at things differently. I'm curious about that right there, because what I find fascinating about your story, and, and I've heard you share pieces of this before, is that after kind of sports ended and for a 15 to 17 year, 18 year period, you kind of embrace the victim mindset. Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Where that focus was so internal on, on everything you'd lost. And yet a conversation with this new doctor and this surgery seemed to almost catapult you from the victor to, or from the victim to a victor type mindset. Was it just that conversation with the doctor of, of being given hope? Was it a culmination of things? Kind of what do you remember about that shift uh, that really changed your perspective without initially changing anything else? You know, it, it's funny. I, I would say that that conversation gave me hope, but this is a doctor that had been with me for four years. He was one of the orthopedic surgeons for um, the Oakland A's for the baseball team. And you could tell like through this journey, because I was, I was going for the first year and a half of that journey. I was going there every month to get a, to get a, a x-ray just to measure the growth. And it grew every month. And you could tell he had no answers. You could tell he felt the pain and, you know what, a lot of doctors, and this is just a general statement, they're not in business to like be a psychologist. Yeah. They're, not gonna, they're not gonna connect your, with your heart. You know, they're just gonna tell you what you need and they gotta go to another patient. This doctor was different. So the fact that he was in my corner, uh, he gave me hope, uh, he gave me a new way of thinking, that, I, it, it would, that was one thing, but then when I got out of this, like out of that surgery, I mean, they were like, Mr. Parr, you know, don't do anything for four to six weeks. I'm like, bullshit. I, mean, <laughs> I was doing, I was doing like, you know, air squats, like within two weeks, I was jogging after four. Cause I'm like, no, you, no way. Like I, I'm getting this thing back. And so I think all those things that he did on the front end kind of set up, um, kind of my, my new life. And you know, what's really cool that you bring up the word hope is that in that moment, that's where I believe, and people can disagree, but I believe that to me is where hope has the power. Now, but if you're going to compete and you're going to perform a duty, I don't want you to have any conversation of, I hope I do well. I hope I don't get hurt. I hope I get a scholarship. What do you mean? You hope, you know, like your preparation is going to allow you to know not to hope. And so that taught me about how to like really have a different perspective of hope. Like if you're down in your luck, you don't have no food, you have no transportation, no clothing. I want you to hope all in the world. I want to source all that hope. But when we're more competing and more performing, I, I had this realization of a different relationship with the, the word hope. I, I'm interested. I'd love to explore that just a little bit because I think it's a balance. I think it's almost, I'm curious from your standpoint, is I love the idea that, I mean, if a doctor is coming into surgery, I hope this goes well. No, like I want you to know, you know what you're doing. Just like, your quarterback's walking up to the line. Like, I don't want you to be like, I hope we get the play. No, like, you know what to do. And then you know what to do X, Y, and Z if it doesn't go according to plan. But there is a, a place for hope and, and almost and this optimism that good things will come of it, that you'll find a way through it. And so how do you distinguish or, or really walk the line to say, I'm going to go get it. I'm confident, confident in my preparation. I'm going to work hard regardless. But I still have that piece of hope 
that good things will come of this? Well, I think for me, it's, I think hope for me is kind of possibility, right? So when I, if I know that I'm, I'm working my tail off and just that the process itself is going to give me confidence, going to give me appreciation and connection to my craft. But, um, but because I'm doing all that work, I, I don't want to hope anything because I, why do I need to hope? I've done all the work, but, but I'm also going to be open. And because I have enough emotional space, now I have possibility. Now I might be cutting threads here, you know, on possibility versus hope, but I just, for me, I just, I don't, I don't know the word hope. I, I don't want to like beat it up because there's a place in it, but I just feel like, um, if you're working your butt off, man, you're creating a lot of possibility. But I think what happens is that if you're working your butt off and maybe you don't perform well or you don't get your opportunity, that's where we need to start staying connected to our thoughts, how we talk to things, how we talk to our mistakes. Because if we don't talk to them, we listen to them. And that's where things happen, where, where things can happen. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I appreciate you kind of sharing that from your perspective. It, when you said it, it reminded me of a, a phrase I've kind of heard through, you know, out a majority of my life of in terms of pray as if everything relies on God, but work as if it's all relying on you. So you're, you're, you've got the hope, but you're not sitting content with that hope. You're, you're going to work, you're going to prepare, you're going to find it. And, and it, to echo what you said, the opportunity, sometimes things don't work out, but if we're not working and preparing for those moments, you're never ready for that opportunity when it arrives. It's the next one up mindset. Are you, are you preparing for that moment before it ever gets here while someone else is starting? So when it's yours, you're able to connect with it. Grant, man, this has been a ton of fun. Dude, you've got some incredible resources online. You've got a great book, The Next One Up Mindset. Where can people best get connected with you and your work to follow you along online, pick up your book, and maybe even learn more about your workshops and keynotes? Absolutely. I think the best place is my website, which is gamefaceperformance.com. You can find um, all of my, my podcasts, which is 90% Mental. Uh, you can buy my book, The Next One Up. Um, you also can get connected on all my social media platforms. But um, I'm really active on, on Instagram and Twitter, which is the same handle, GFP Mindset. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Game Face Performance and also my YouTube channel that just started a little bit. Uh, you can find that under Game Face Performance. I love it. Well, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you as well, is once you came out of this, this injury time, you started school back at 40. Yeah. At a point when most people are like, I'm already 20 years into a career, 15 years down this job or that job. I can't switch. I can't change at this point. I'm too committed or I'm, I need the money or whatever the case may be. But here you were at, at the age 40 said, I have a passion for mental performance. I'm going back to school. I don't care that I'm in these class with these 20 year olds. And, and I've heard you share the importance of finding a rhythm. Once you change that path, finding a rhythm that worked for you, for your family, where you were in life. How do you develop a good rhythm? How did you develop the rhythm that worked for you to help you grow in school in your career at a time when it really wasn't common for a lot of other people at that same life stage? You know, I think rhythm is huge, uh, man. Rhythm is, is it's, man, there's so many parts of our lives where if we can establish rhythm, a routine, man, we're, we're going places. And I think for me, at least, you know, from my perspective, when I was 40, um, I had actually a few people like saying the same things you were saying, like, 
are you sure you really want to do this? And this was at a time where I was making the most money in my entire life. I had back-to-back years when I was actually in school that I was like, I was like, this is such a crazy rub because I'm making the most money in my life. I don't really, I don't, I love the people I was working with and the company is great, but what I was doing wasn't fulfilling me. So I'm like, why is this like, I'm making all this money doing something I don't really enjoy. And I'm also kicking butt in school. And I was pretty tired at the time, but um, I don't know. I think it was when I first got into that first semester, when people were like, are you sure you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, I, I want to do this. And they're like, are you sure? And I said, yeah, because I get to. And when you start to like empower yourself and redesign that word, that statement is huge. I get to, I don't have to do anything, but I get to go back to school. I get to learn. And it was the first couple of weeks. And you might've heard this on some podcast. I was like, wow, this is, this is different. Like 17 years. Like I had to learn a whole new way of writing with APA style for psychology. Yep. And I was like, okay, but I wasn't like, it's, it would just, for me, I just had to be open to it. I, I couldn't like resist it. I just had to like, kind of like, to me, it was learning an offense. I just had to learn a new playbook. And, um, and after that first semester, a lot of cool things happened because my mindset when I was in school, when I was younger, I didn't care about my grades. I, I was there for the experience, not the education, right? Yep. Now it was different. Now I'm paying for it. Now I'm like, what do you mean I didn't get an A? I didn't get an A. And like, there, was, there were times where I come home and my wife goes, did you get a B on your exam? <laughs> I was being a jerk. And I'm like, yeah. And it was just funny how my mindset shifted. But it, that was after I got into the rhythm. And I think the rhythm is that you have to have some things in place. You have to truly believe and connect to some of the things that are going to allow you to move forward. And, uh, and I think when you, once you formalize that, so like people like yourself and me can help people uh, formalize that routine and, and get into the rhythm. Love it. I love it. Thank you uh, incredibly for just being transparent and, and sharing the, the struggles and, and the challenges you've had to face to overcome really to get to this point and obviously now paying it forward uh, by helping those. I want to encourage all of our listeners to check out Game Face Performance. Follow Grant online. He's a fantastic follow. His content's great. And definitely take a minute to check out his book. Grant, man, thanks so much for hanging out today. Thanks, man. It was awesome. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with me or the show, email us at podcast at competeeveryday.com. To join our free Facebook community and get connected with other ambitious leaders working to win their work, their workouts, and their life, be sure to visit us at facebook.com slash groups slash compete every day. Until the next episode, keep competing every single day because your life is worth it.